Hi, welcome to episode four of Speak Like a CEO. Our guest today is Rafael Arain, co-founder of Career Foundry. Today we talk about everything from inspiration to using Instagram to create your personal brand to the disadvantages of flat hierarchies and much more. Let's get right into it. The thing that I was really fascinated by, and it always have been, is uh, people. Finally, technology did something. Wondering right. what would be the single most valuable piece of advice you'd give us. Because we found what we loved to do. And we were the people the right place with passion can change the world for the better. That's what we believe. So today we're talking to Rafaela Ryan, who's the co-founder of Career Foundry and actually a personal inspiration of mine. With nearly 5,000 followers on Instagram, Rafaela is part of a new generation of entrepreneurs who's using social media for change. She shares a lot about her journey as a founder, her approach to work and life, doing deep dives into a whole range of topics from UX to money to detoxing. When I first started following her on Instagram, I just knew we had to have her on the podcast. A super inspiring founder, she was also recently named one of Forbes' top 50 women in tech for 2018. We're so excited to have Rafaela on the show. No, but for me, um, it's very cool to see Instagram, I guess, changing from just being, you know, beauty bloggers Mm. and food bloggers to these really cool people that can actually be role models for you in work and business and life. Um, And this is happening more and more frequently, I think. I think maybe three years ago, I wouldn't have been able to follow, you know, know, strong female founders on Mm. Instagram as easily as I can today. And I think that's a really cool thing Mm. and a really powerful thing. Yeah. I actually realized it even helped with the relationships to my team because, I mean, I still have a small team. It's 50 people around the world. But... um, on a daily basis, I don't always talk to them. I'm actually traveling a lot also, mm. you know. I'm not that often in the office. Um, and certainly, with, you know, I, I'm very close with my teams, but not so much with the other teams. So I think it helped them get a f- better sense of who I, who I am behind all of the, like, CEO vibe. And, you know, when you're CEO, people anyways have that weird um, respect, you know, mm. as if you are on a different level to them, which, of course, you aren't. But there is a, there is a divide. Or the people create a divide mm-hmm. in, their, in their heads. Mm. Sure. Yeah. Do you ever worry, though, um, that you're sharing too much of your personal life uh, versus your professional life? How do you kind of uh, navigate that territory between work and life balance? There? I do worry sometimes. Um, for example, I think one of my most read articles this year was when I shared how, how we almost failed after introducing a flat hierarchy and I wrote on the arc I wrote the article for about four weeks and like literally the whole week before sharing it I couldn't sleep I was like oh should I really do this or not will Mm. it put me into a bad light because of course it was a massive failure Um, but on the other hand I felt like if I don't say anything then people will because we had a lot of PR around creating the flat hierarchy Mm -hmm. so if I said I felt if I don't say anything it's also not genuine Mm-hmm. So then I launched it and it was a massive success actually. People loved you know me sharing it and being open and honest about it. But yeah, so things so that's of course not per it is personal, right? Because mm-hmm. um, my failures are very personal in the in the company, right? So um, but I think it's about um, being genuine and I think I try to share what's what's helpful. So when I feel like okay, something very personal might be helpful then, I share it. Hmm. So what didn't work about the flat hierarchies which we introduced and why, why did you decide to change it and come clean about it? Nothing worked about it, mm. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> yeah. um, so, I mean, the whole reason we introduced the flat hierarchy was that the theory is when you give people a responsibility, 
they are much more motivated, you know, because they have the ownership mm -hmm. and they can really own something and that's, you know, much more motivated, much more driven. And I believe in that, you know, I believe that people are more motivated when they can own something. I certainly am like that. But what we didn't realize is, you know, we were at a certain point in the company when we were mm -hmm. growing like crazy, crazy fast. Yeah. We were a small company that went into a medium-sized company. So a lot of processes had to be built. I think the biggest thing was, A, people were overburdened with the responsibility we gave them. Because, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I as a founder, you know, I'm a certain type of person to even go and say, yeah, I'm going to take the risk. I'm going to start mm -hmm. a company. I, you know, I'm going to take the risk of failing. Um, many people don't don't like that type of risk um, and um, feel also like feel maybe they're not at the right stage in, in life to take mm -hmm. that risk. And a flat hierarchy would essentially require everybody to behave like a founder. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's the first flaw that nobody nobody tells you that maybe not everybody likes to work their asses off and to think all weekend about how to improve something yeah. and so on. And um, second was um, we had a problem with the communication, actually. Mm -hmm. So in theory, what's supposed to happen is that people give each other the hard feedback when something doesn't work, when they didn't do something right in a flat hierarchy, the, the employees should give that to each other. But in our case, that didn't happen and people didn't tell each other what didn't go well because they were afraid of hurting each other's feelings. It's a very human thing, right? It's, it's hard to give Yeah. I, I say it's uh, I say constructive feedback, but what I mean is, of course, the hard feedback that's about like improving yourself. Mm. And uh, since that didn't happen, um, you know, there was no way to, yeah, uh, yeah, to spot bad performance early or to improve bad performance, and um, that really was a big problem. And did you decide to go out with the story to the media to talk about the flat hierarchies which you've introduced or did it just leak out or you talked to journalists about it? So was it a conscious decision to make that public? It was more one thing led to the other. Mm -hmm. um, we wanted to do more PR. We had always been quite PR focused as a company, but we wanted to do more PR in that time and somehow the only thing or like what journalists found most interesting was the flat hierarchy because mm -hmm. we told them like we can talk about ABC yeah. what are you interested in mm -hmm. and they all gravitated towards the like transparent salaries and flat hierarchy so we were like well we take whatever we can get you know free PR is, is course, better than yeah. no PR <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's that's how it happened yeah But I think you did the right thing and then sort of um, going the other way and telling people it didn't work and why it didn't. But I'm sure that, that must have been quite a, I mean, you mentioned a quite a difficult decision to be so vulnerable and yeah. put yourself out there. One of your guiding principles seems to be transparency. Mm. Um, can you talk us through that a little bit? I guess it's kind of difficult at times, right, to be so open and communicative with employees or investors or the media. Um, but that seems to be time and time again the thing that you seem to do. Mm. I think we live in times where information is just much more accessible, right? And for example, news travel much faster than they used to. So it's it's hard to not be transparent today. I, I feel at least, especially when it comes to, you know, communications with their own team, you know, internally. Um, employees want to know what's going on. And so I think here is, is the choice. Like, I think we made a choice to be more transparent. They actually had asked for it. Um, and I think from there, because we were so transparent with the employees, it was just, you become more comfortable with it. You realize, oh, actually nothing bad happens when you're transparent. At first I was massively scared because I think especially in Germany, it's not a very normal thing to be transparent. 
I, at least I have never had it in any company I worked mm. for, at least not a company that wasn't public. Obviously, public companies have to report all of that anyways. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then it becomes kind of normal. It's a little bit like Instagram, you know, after you share, for, at first, you know, you film yourself and it feels really awkward. You're like, hmm, who am I talking to? <laughs> but then when you see actually people like it, people enjoy it, you get a lot of feedback from, from the people who watch it, then it becomes more normal. Mm -hmm. You also are uh, quite a distinguished public speaker. Um, talk about women in tech and, and entrepreneurship, the UX experience. Um, t talk us a little bit about the process, how you go about these speaking engagement. How do you ensure that you, you deliver when you're up on stage? Because for all of us, that's, that's quite a hard thing to do. It's incredibly hard. Mm. Like at, at first, I always wondered why public speakers get you know, paid so much for an hour. But it's never just an hour. You have to sometimes prepare three days or more for one speaking opportunity yeah. to really nail it and get it yeah. beautiful. Because, of course, nobody wants a boring speaker up mm -hmm. there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so how do I ensure it? Um, I think on the one hand, when I was earlier in my career, I took every single speaking opportunity mm -hmm. no matter whether I was confident about it or not now I only take the things that I actually feel confident to speak about because it, mm -hmm. it just always ends up terrible <laughs> if I you know for example just the other day somebody asked me to speak on AI and I have like no idea about AI literally no idea so I said like no sorry I'm just not the wrong I'm just the wrong person for this um, <clears throat> so I think that's important know what you actually can speak about what you're comfortable in um, then also, like, the more you do it, the more you have, like, a portfolio of things, like, uh, you know, you have presentations that you've given a few times, and it's then easier to, to maybe switch these or, like, adapt these presentations to a new use. And, and sort of that's, I think I found my sweet spot now. Mostly I talk about um, personnel transformation, so transformation of the culture of a company, of, um, you know, really mm -hmm. this whole new work topic is my favorite topic. Yeah. And mostly about, you know getting higher engagement and working really with the employee experience to increase revenues for the company um, and and really taking everybody in the company along on this journey. So that's my favorite topic and mm -hmm. I can talk about this topic forever. <laughs> so um, mostly I, I talk about that. And as you become more confident um, in what you're talking about and what you want to talk about, have you also become more selective about where you talk? Um, I guess so, yes. Yes, I would say so. I guess I, I think what I'm trying to say is I know a lot of people when they just started out, they really yeah. want to be up on stage and yeah. share their story. And then there comes a point where, you know, actually at some point you have to be the CEO and manage your team yeah. as well. And you can't be speaking every day at a conference, yeah. <laughs> um, even if you'd like to. Yeah. Um, and some people I know end up eventually just not doing anything at all. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, a, it's a drag on of, on your time every, every event. So you really um, have to select it carefully. I think... Um, I think it's, it's still, you know, a, a beautiful opportunity. If you're early on in the in the startup journey, I would definitely take take a few, especially if you think something good mm -hmm. could come out of it. You're gonna yeah. get some contacts from it, so it, it is always like an opportunity. And then, but later on, like for me, yeah, it's really only certain events where it really benefits the company, and so I'm, I'm mm. I have to think about that first and foremost. Cool. And do you write a speech word by word or do you work with just keywords and, and do you then practice that with other people or how, how do you make sure you're ready to, before you go on stage? I always have a keynote, always, no matter how short the speech is because mm -hmm. it, it, I think I like the visual aspects and I think people take 
home more of it if they see it actually on screen yeah. mm -hmm. and I'm a huge fan of sort of the Apple style like only one sentence a slide or only pictures on the slide you know not not a lot of text on the slides and um Do, do you practice mm. with other people before you go up and get feedback or seek out feedback to, to improve? I used to do that more than now. Mm -hmm. um, now it's mostly I, I pre practice by myself. So mm -hmm. I really like just speak it out, yeah. speak it out. And yeah. I think f still for each speech, I need to speak it out at least five times. So if the speech is an hour long, so alone the practicing takes at yeah. least five hours because every time, you know, I get something wrong or yeah. by... I actually recommend that because by really talking it out, you often realize, oh, no, that, that, that doesn't flow quite right. Um, and also, I think today I shared about really bringing the motivation first. You know, when you have, for example, a product, mm -hmm. uh, say, for example, my product, we sell a career change. But people aren't interested in a career change. What they're interested in is a life improvement. So we can't talk about it in form of just a career change, but we always have to talk about it, what they get out of it. Mm -hmm. And it's the same with a speech, you know, if you start with like blah, 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 nobody's going to listen. So you have to be at the beginning, have like the, the big, bold claim or what really happened or so like the big thing actually has to come at the beginning and then you tell how you did it or something like that. So um, that's something I learned through time and through actually practicing yeah. a lot by myself. So real attention trigger in yeah. the beginning, the why, yeah. why are we doing this? Yeah, and then the why how should, and what, what, what are you going to get out of this yeah. talk, you know? And, and the reading out loud, and you know, I do it in the same way as you, you know, writing it, uh, then reading it out loud to myself or getting feedback from people. But just it's such a difference just reading it in your head or reading it out loud, isn't it? It's such a, it makes such a difference yeah. to, to holding a good speech. Yeah, totally. So the other thing um, that you seem to focus on is personal development and growth and self-improvement. What are some of the things that you're doing at the moment um, in your own life? What are you interested in learning more about? Right now, since yesterday, I'm on a detox course. I'm doing an online course on detoxing, which um, is interesting. <laughs> okay, <laughs> talk us through it. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> so this is um, on personal, but yeah, it's sort of um, basically for like three, it's a 21-day program. I'm a huge fan of a program, you know, uh, 21 days is perfect, three weeks. And for three weeks, I'm only allowed to eat certain things. I have to do certain exercise, um, not drink any alcohol and um, take a certain supplements. And then apparently at the end of the three weeks, you feel amazing and you're completely detoxed and your immune system gets a whole boost. So I hope that's going to happen. Then we should talk to you in three weeks. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm also probably going to share about it on Instagram okay. and the journey. Um, so yeah, I'm interested in health. Um, and I, what else am I interested? I am interested in e-commerce at the moment, in, in, in Amazon. I think Amazon is just a fantastic, fantastic company. And I'm really intrigued by Jeff Bezos and how he's building the company. So I've been searching and I think so far I read three books about Jeff Bezos, but none of them are recommendable. They're all not so good. So that's why I haven't shared about them. <laughs> Yeah, um, and what, what recommendations would you give to people who are starting out in the startup world or just starting out by um, you know setting up a company at the beginning of that journey and you've been there and have a lot of, a lot of experience but what would be recommendations to them communications wise but also generally as, as an entrepreneur okay so f starting with communication wise mm -hmm. um, no matter where you start but especially if you start a company in Germany just know that nobody will take you seriously mm -hmm. yeah so everybody like maybe because there are so many startups in Berlin everybody, like you, 
people people don't take new founders seriously. So you really have to have this 20-second effect that I spoke about earlier and have to think, how good do I get people's attentions mm -hmm. in the first 20 second, seconds? So, for example, when I started Career Foundry, obviously I didn't have a track record, but I would be like, oh, I just found the companies for Rocket Internet in um, you know, Beijing, Taipei, and Sydney, which wasn't entirely true because I wasn't really the founder, but it made me sound interesting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so I stretched the truth like a little bit to sound a little bit more interesting. Um, or um, yeah, you basically, maybe um, if your product is really interesting, you you can say like, "Hi, I'm so and so, and I I'm building a company, uh, like I'm building a building company in this space." And people like uh, would be like, "Wow, this person is really." either full of themselves or very confident. Yeah. But, you know, like, what can you say in a very short time that people actually will listen to you and will want to work with you? Because at the beginning, especially if you go down the fundraising track, mm -hmm. right, you need a lot of introductions from people because if, if you don't have network. Mm -hmm. And then these people really need to believe that what you're doing is, is going to be great. So it's really important to make that first impression. And on the really on the building side, I would advise to build something, a, a, a mini product, an MVP for as cheap as possible. Mm -hmm. To give you an idea, for Career Foundry, for the MVP, we spent three euros. Three euros, a yeah. minimum viable product. A minimum viable product. And what did you spend it on? <laughs> <laughs> um, so obviously it's a course, right? And we did an offline course and there's this website called meetup.com where yeah. you can find events. And we put out a meetup which costs three euros uh, for like a, a coding course. And we charged, I think, not much for it, 100 euros or so, and 12 people signed up. So we actually, for out of these three euros, we saw, first of all, okay, there's a general demand, and actually we had our first customers from that, we could test the product from that, and that's all we spent for the MVP. And I think it's very dangerous to spend too much money. So I, I think always yeah. think like, what can you do for the cheapest amount possible it makes you more creative as well, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it makes you much more creative. Mm. And, and, you know, often you realize quite early that um, something you thought would be awesome goes completely in the wrong direction. So as an example, with Career Foundry, the, at the beginning we thought it would be a pure offline, offline um, course provider mm. and that, you know, we would deliver the course material and then all over the world, you know, mentors could teach, use our course materials and teach the courses themselves. Um, and we thought, oh my gosh, this will be a global movement, blah, blah, blah. And then we had the first mentor in London and it, it totally did. And they actually tried to do an offline event in London. It totally did not work out. Mm. Nobody signed up. The mentor was disengaged. The course materials didn't work. It was just so difficult. So it was very good that we had sort of this um, low-key, fail-fast approach. And I think the cheaper you do it, the, the easier you also recognize that you fail fast. Because, mm -hmm. for example, if you first build an elaborate website, an elaborate product, that alone can take you six months. And if you then fail, then you really yeah. like wasted a lot of time and money. Yeah. There's some really nice advice, I think, for yeah. people just starting out um, or who want to be founders or entrepreneurs to, you know, test and test and iterate and don't spend too much money until you're sure. Yeah. Um, one last question from my side. I'm really interested to know. Um, so... I would actually say that you're somebody that I really look up to on Instagram. Thank um, you. Yeah, super inspiring. But who inspires you? Who do you look to um, on Instagram or another platform? Could be in real life. Yeah. 
Um, so in real life, I think it's definitely just Be Jeff Bezos and um, Richard Branson. I mean, they're some mm -hmm. of the most inspiring entrepreneurs in the world, I think. Um, so I read a lot and hear like read a lot about them. On Instagram, I really like. I think there's a lot of people that are better on Instagram than I am. I think you know there's still a long a long journey for me to become as good as some people. But yeah, there's a you know you know him as well, Jai Scream, <laughs> the, found, the founder of Agent Smart. He's very funny, and um, you know it's probably because I'm German. I'm just not as funny as him. He's Irish. He's very Irish. <laughs> <laughs> there's some things you can't fake, you know. <laughs> Um, uh, there's another woman I like called Sissy Hardenberg. She's a Berlin-based um, entrepreneur. I also like Delia from West Wing. I think she has a nice, you know, entrepreneurial Instagram account. But it's true that sort of the whole entrepreneur space on Instagram is not as well developed yet. Like, uh, you know, I, even I had to really look for these people. And for example, outside of Berlin, there must be people that do entrepreneurs that do good Instagram accounts, but I haven't found that many. So there's an opportunity right there. Definitely. Yes. <laughs> and uh, looking towards the future, anything uh, coming up, anything you want to talk about or share? I will be on yet another list later this year. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Just in time for Christmas. Yeah, just in time. Uh, it's called uh, 40 Under 40. Because uh, it's funny, I think in Germany, you know, people are a bit older when they finish university. So that's why one of the leading German magazines, they decided, okay, 30 under 30 really doesn't work in Germany. So they did it to 40 under 40. Um, you get 10 more years if you're in Europe. <laughs> <laughs> so We take our thing. time. Yeah, come found in Europe. And um, yeah, and, um, with Career Foundry Wise, we are going to launch a new course uh, in January, which is going to be very cool. And we're also going to announce new partners. And we worked with some leading companies on this new course so I think there's lots of cool things to come and personally I on my Instagram I started a deep dive um, hopefully weekly where I go into topics such as you know how to launch a company cheaply or yeah. how to raise funding and so on it was going to be a weekly format via IGTV yeah. mm -hmm. so um, I just did the last one last week on money management um, So I'm excited to see how that ro rolls yeah, out. No, we're definitely going to check it out. Yeah. Amazing. So where can people find you online? What's your handle? Obviously on Instagram, please. It's my absolute favorite medium uh, at Rafaela Ryan. And I'm also on LinkedIn quite active. Also Rafaela Ryan. Perfect. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much, Rafaela. It was such a joke. Thank you. Your hosts are Oliver Aust and Lena Carlson. Production by Vincent Wolf. Music and editing by Ariane Coulomb. Follow us everywhere at like a CEO underscore. See you next Friday.